I needed to protect my family, take care of my family, but I still wanted to be able to have a positive impact. Hi, I'm Natalie Mullen, former people pleaser and queen of doing way too much, turned holistic life coach and wellness educator for purpose-seeking women of color and allies. Welcome to From a Full Cup. On this podcast, I teach you how to use the 12 pillars of wellness to discover your purpose, uplevel your well-being, and create the life of your dreams, because we all deserve to be fulfilled, and you simply can't pour from an empty cup. Through candid conversations, insightful interviews, and motivational nuggets, you'll feel inspired, empowered, and supported as together we navigate this thing called life, holistically and with your well-being at the center. If you're committed to personal development and you're ready for more, you're in the right place. Now let's get started. Today's guest is Nisha B, a stress and anxiety coach for women, tween, and teen girls. She's a certified teacher and educational consultant with 28 years of teaching experience, as well as a certified life coach. We have a great conversation about stress, anxiety, and so much more, and I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Let's dig in. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of From a Full Cup. Nisha B is a stress and anxiety coach, and we're going to be talking about how stress and anxiety can really impact our mindset as one of the pillars of wellness. So Nisha, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's really lovely to be here. Nisha, I always like to start with uh, our opening segment, which is This My Cup. So I'd love for you to share your feedback on one of the episodes that you've listened to before. Yeah, I was listening to your um, the first episode of season two, and I really liked the reminders that you had in there for us. And the two that really resonated with me the most were on sleep and gratitude. I think those are things that we take for granted and that we often shortchange ourselves on. You know, sleep is something that is essential. And because in society, we were more likely to brag about how we were able to get through a day without a lot of sleep. And I think that if we were thinking more in terms of what's good for us, we wouldn't be bragging about that. We'd be more focused on getting enough sleep because it's what we need for our brain and our body. And then gratitude. I just find gratitude so healing. And it's always good to be reminded that there are even just very simple things in life that we can be grateful for. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm glad that those were able to fill your cup. Nisha, I want to Just dig right in. And I want to talk about stress. How do you distinguish between healthy stress and unhealthy stress? Well, you know, healthy stress and worries to a certain extent, those normal levels help us to focus on what we need to get done. And then when the stressors go away, you know, there can be internal stressors or external stressors. When the stressors go away, normally our stress goes away as well. So if the stress continues, that can be a sign that something else is going on. It's similar with with worries and anxiety. A certain amount of anxiety can help us to get prepared for things. So like for myself, getting prepared for this podcast, I was thinking, okay, what do I need to do to be prepared so that I can reduce my anxiety? And I was also able to, you know, tell myself, well, I'm anxious right now, but once I'm there, I'll be fine and the anxiety will pass, right? Anxiety that um, is more disordered, that tends to linger and it can shut us down. And it doesn't motivate us. We, it can lead us into avoidance or suppression. I remember learning about stress being helpful to us because we need that cortisol in, in order to just get things done, as you were sharing. So 
Otherwise, we would just be going through life. There would be no rush. There'd be no urgency. So think about if you never felt a need to actually go look for food or like even just some of like the very mm-hmm. primal instincts or to move when there's danger or things like mm-hmm. that. If we didn't have those spikes of cortisol that would impact our stress level to realize, no, this is something you need to prioritize right now. If there's a fire, you need to go put it out right yes. now. If we don't feel that that immediate level of stress in the moment, that would actually be more dangerous for us. Yeah. So I think to an extent, stress can actually be or protective. It helps us to protect our normal state of being and mm-hmm. helps us to respond to things that are around us. You know, I also work with teen girls. And one of the things I immediately start to tell them about is that, you know, that we do need a certain amount of stress and worry in our lives in order to to get things done. But if we're feeling so overwhelmed by stress or anxiety, it can shut us down. And then that's a sign that we need to get some support. And so when people are feeling very stressed or anxious, are there different strategies that you would recommend for, for either one? First of all, building a foundation, right? So when you were talking in, in your episode about the pillars and reminding us of some of the basics, those are some of the things that we need to be doing. So I know it sounds really simple and basic sometimes, but we do need to be making sure that we're getting enough sleep. We do need to be making sure that we're nourishing our body and our mind with good food and healthy food. We need to make sure that we are going for walks, getting fresh air, getting enough exercise, that kind of thing. So those are the basics. We build the foundation on it. And then we start thinking, what is there that we need to do with our mind to manage stress and anxiety? And, you know, it varies from person to person to a certain extent, but things like mindfulness, noticing our thoughts, noting what the triggers are, noticing how we react to those triggers, noticing how we feel in our body when we're feeling stressed or anxious. And then once you identify what kind of reactions you have, then that's when you can start thinking about, well, how can I manage that, right? Does it mean that I... Am I shutting down because I'm just finding it so overwhelming that I can't deal with it? And if I'm shutting down, why is that? I find that sometimes people are really hard on themselves. So sometimes the solution can be self-compassion, right? We're realizing that we're being too hard on ourselves, that that struggle is normal, that suffering is normal, that it's a universal experience, right? And that why would we be any different? Right. When the times when we're saying to ourselves, like, I can't do this, it's too much, I can't handle this, maybe we need to take a step back and say, it's okay. You know, it, this is hard. This is hard. It's normal to find it difficult. And what steps do, what steps can I take next? What's the first step? What's the second step? Um, you know, sometimes we have to break things down into bite sized chunks, right? And then once we've broken it down into bite sized chunks, bite-sized chunks, then we can start moving along. But first we have to, you know, build some awareness around what is overwhelming us and how we react to that. And talking about those triggers, because I think that's a really key part of it. If you don't Mm -hmm. realize what the trigger is in the first place, you can't even effectively use these strategies that you've mentioned in order to help calm things down because you don't know when to pull out those tools, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're doing 
mindfulness in the morning, but you woke up very peaceful, it's not going to be as impactful to you in a stressful moment if you haven't identified when is that stressful moment that I can then pull out that tool. Maybe we can talk to the listeners about what are some of the things that you see in society that are common triggers of stress or common roots of stress and anxiety Mm -hmm. that people might not even be aware of because they just accept it as a part of their normal day-to-day practice. But, you know, we work in systems, right? And I think that sometimes because we work in systems, we're just an individual in that system. We think that everything is out of our control, right? And when we think that everything is out of our control, then what can we do? Nothing, right? So I think that there's, and that's not the case, like that is not true, right? That's another example of us being really hard on ourselves and thinking that we can have no impact. So, you know, I I was a teacher and when you're a teacher, you are working within a system and there are lots of people who make decisions that you have no control over. But as a teacher, there are things that you do have control over, right? And that's like how you how you're going to behave in the classroom, how you're going to be a role model, what you teach your students, right? So even a teacher who's working in a system where there are so many other people having an impact on that system, even in that situation, there are choices that we make and there are things that we can do. And we need to remind ourselves that there are things we have control over. I think that idea of what you can and can't control uh, is so important uh, and just accepting that. So accepting Mm -hmm. this is out of my control, so I'm just going to leave it alone. This is in my control and now I'm going to be proactive and take strategies. And it's funny because when I think about what are different stressors that people go through, sometimes it's hard even for myself to recognize. So I remember I was speaking with my naturopath the other day and she was asking, are you stressed? And I was like, really? But then I was explaining that I have this beautiful, very active, fiery little two-year-old. And she said, well, I'll tell you what, I bet you you're stressed sometimes when when you're raising him. She's like, every parent goes through parental stress. And I wasn't even thinking like that could be a source of stress. But I was like, well, you know, when he is having a tantrum in the middle of the mall, yeah, that can definitely be a Mm -hmm. stressful moment. But I had not identified it for myself as a stressful moment. So I think sometimes we kind of downplay what are those triggers. But if I notice my reaction, Mm -hmm. I clench up, especially Mm -hmm. if I'm around other people when my son's having a tantrum, I get really um, overwhelmed. I feel like heat rushing to my body and I just want to get out of there as quickly as possible. So I realize, yeah, there is evidence to support that. So I'm curious, any other experiences, maybe even from your own personal life, like things that have been triggers for you to bring on either stress and anxiety. You already shared one, which might be mm-hmm. coming on a podcast, right? A lot of people mm-hmm. yeah. face public speaking as, as a source of stress or anxiety. Mm-hmm. But I like how you mentioned it doesn't have to be debilitating. You mm-hmm. just kind of tell yourself, okay, we're going to go into this. It's going to yeah. be okay. And you kind of reassure yourself. Mm-hmm. So any other triggers that either you or clients you've worked with? Well, you know, to your point about... Um, not being aware that something is causing you stress. I think that I was living like that for a while myself. And I started to notice that I was being short-tempered with my kids. Right? And it, it didn't have to be a big deal. It was just something little. And I could hear in my voice that I was impatient. Um, that that I was causing them distress. Right? and 
that's when I started to realize like they're, you know, they're innocent kids. They haven't done anything wrong. I remember thinking to myself, if, if I'm reacting like this to simple situations, then why would I expect my kids to react any better in difficult situations? And so it kind of built up over, over some time. And then COVID kind of brought it all to a head, right? I started, I started thinking, is this who I really want to be? This kind of always angry, somewhat resentful person who gets angry easily over nothing. And realizing that it was having an impact on my family, I decided I had to do something different. I started by doing an assessment of what was important to me. I think a lot of times we figure out what's important to us just by like dealing with it in the moment, but I don't think we often do some like deep thinking on what is important to us. So I started to assess what my values were. And based on the fact that I was short-tempered and that I didn't want to be that way around my family, I realized that I needed to be more healthy. I needed to protect my family, take care of my family, but I still wanted to be able to have a positive impact. You know, that's the wonderful thing about being a teacher is that you have a positive impact on the kids that you teach, right? But I wanted to do it differently. And so that's why I decided it was time. COVID like got me really thinking about things. And I thought it's, it's time to, you know, to do something different. And that's why I started to learn how to become a coach. It's why I started learning uh, a lot more about acceptance and commitment coaching, which is the type of coaching that I practice. And I started thinking, what are the tools that I want to be able to not just use for myself, but also use with my kids or to teach them how to use? How do I want them to be good at managing stress? How do I want them to be good at dealing with anxiety? How do I want to make sure that they can, are able to do whatever they can to prevent burnout? I think that's so important, this idea of just becoming self-aware of what do you want and not want. And I also come from a teaching background. And I think a lot of times, and I've, I've spoken about this on the podcast before, but a lot of times, especially if you're in a career where you're serving others, so it's an impact career, such as teaching, such as mm -hmm. nursing, anything in healthcare, social work, those kinds of professions, it's really hard sometimes for people to consider alternative options because they mm -hmm. want to make that positive impact and that positive impact that they make helps them to feel fulfillment so there's a lot of times this fear like if I leave this role I'm not going to feel fulfilled anymore mm -hmm. or I'm not reaching my potential or I'm kind of turning my back on who I was committed to which in our case was our students mm -hmm. but I think it's really important to realize that once you figure out what your values are you can still find ways to activate them in different spheres, different spaces, yeah. right? Because 100%. the value is really within you. So how do you continue to share and serve others, even if the situation looks different? Because it's really important that you are in a place of authentic alignment. So if you're in a role where you're no longer happy, even though you're making an impact, it's kind of an inner conflict mm -hmm. in yourself, right? Because you just don't feel that's the right choice for you at the moment you don't feel aligned and alignment is something that's so important it's something I talk about all the time on the podcast mm -hmm. and so I think sometimes a lot of stress comes even from things like that maybe feeling unfulfilled at work or of course there could just be uh, a negative work environment or heavy mm -hmm. workloads 
sometimes people's stress comes from things like finances, right? If they mm-hmm. don't have enough money, especially I think within the last year or two, when we've seen this increase in inflation, we see that a lot of people have become very stressed yeah. um, about finances. Of course, we always know that people are stressed about relationships. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what? I shouldn't say always, but it's an it's a common yeah. source of stress, not just romantic relationships, but with family members, mm-hmm. right? We hear so many stories about people saying, I no longer speak to my mom yeah. or I've cut my dad off or my siblings and I don't talk, right? Because there's a lot of sometimes emotional distress that's happening with the family and then even health. So this is something I've been really digging into this year is the stress that you feel on your physical body because of of health concerns, whether they're chronic or they're just kind of lingering and you can't Mm -hmm. figure out why things aren't functioning in your body the way that you would like them to. And then also health related to other people around you, right? So if you have a family member that becomes ill or something like that can become very stressful for you trying to to help that family member or just to even process it, even life transitions. So if you are moving to a new place or you are moving to a new role or a new company or you had a baby or you go through a divorce or you just get married, like all of these things, they could be positive, right? Like having a baby Mm -hmm. is considered a positive thing. Getting married, considering a positive thing. Starting a new job, considered a positive thing. It doesn't mean that stress is absent from those those transitions. So I think coming back to what you were saying, having that awareness of, well, where is the stress? And then that can give you um, a starting base to then know, okay, what practical tools can I now use mm-hmm. to help me in those situations? I know you shared a few before. I don't know if you have any more, but I'm, effective techniques and exercises that you kind of use with your clients to help mm-hmm. them cope with acute moments of stress and anxiety. So it's, you know, I, through the three ends is what I would call it. It's like notice, name, and normalize, right? And just really slowing down in moments. I think sometimes we're in always such a rush. It's a hard thing to do. It really takes practice. But to slow down and take a pause, take a beat before reacting, right? Just, just slow down. There's that moment between identifying a trigger and then reacting to it. And I think that if we can create some space between the trigger and the reaction, that is the most important moment. Just slow down, take a pause, notice what the trigger is, and then notice how you normally want to react and how you can react differently, right? So if your kid normally interrupts you, and you hate it when they interrupt you. Instead of telling them off in that moment, just pause, you know, and say to yourself, normally I want to tell her off. Normally I want to tell him off. But I, once you practice it enough, you can get to a point where you're saying to yourself, I don't need to say anything. Telling them right now is not going to serve any useful purpose because I'm annoyed. So I'm going to wait till the annoyance passes. And then later on, I'm going to talk to them about how I'd like that to change, right? Because a lot of the time in the moment when we experience a trigger and react too quickly, we often regret it, right? Or we wish that we could have done something differently. So I think generally like a big first step is to just take that pause and notice how you want to react. In acceptance and commitment coaching, we call that dropping anchor. The next thing you can do is be thinking in terms of noticing, naming, and normalizing. So 
you know, you want to react and you can tell yourself, listen, it's normal for, for me to want to react. It's normal for me to be frustrated. It's normal for me to be angry. Um, but I don't have to carry through with it. I love that you just mentioned the kids because this is something I've just noticed um, in the last, I would say, year or two. I'm speaking to parents of high school kids or Mm-hmm. older siblings and they're talking about how much stress is being faced mm-hmm. by teenagers yeah we are seeing debilitating stress yeah. amongst teenagers that they don't even want to go to school they don't mm-hmm. want to participate and a lot of this kind of came out of covid so for this particular age group what do you find helps them and and maybe even what are some of the triggers because i think a lot of parents they don't know what to do they're like i don't know yeah. how to reach my teenager obviously teenagehood is a special time anyways and you know it's not always an an open communication between the teenagers Mm -hmm. and parents but for parents who are looking to kind of support their teens kind of going through this phase what is some advice maybe you can give them or things that you've kind of noticed from your own practice and work with this population i think it's really important to remind ourselves that a teenager's brain is still developing right and so give them some space, some grace, right? Um, because, you know, if we have trouble handling difficult situations as adults, why would we expect teenagers or children to be able to handle difficult situations, right? So I think that's an important distinction to make to ourselves is like the rem- reminder that life is challenging, and we find it challenging. And just because you're a kid or a teenager doesn't mean that you're not experiencing challenges as well. And so I think we do, it's really important for us to remember that their brains are developing right up to the age to, of like 24 or something like that, right? And then also ourselves, you know, we need to also give ourselves some, some space uh, to realize that it's normal for us to get to be upset or to get annoyed or whatever, like that's part of life that, that sometimes other people's behaviors, we we don't have control over them. And that's our kids as well. We can't control how a kid reacts, but we can, we can be a good role model for them, right? So if we're slowing down how we react to how they behave, then that gives them the opportunity to also learn how to slow down in difficult situations and learn how to react differently. I think leading from that place can be so powerful. And then really it's a journey and it's a journey of all parties involved, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. it's I think it's a journey to progress, a journey of progress, a journey of growth and a, and a journey of learning. So it's not necessarily that, okay, you implement these tools and then tomorrow it's like you're perfect and yeah. you're never going to be stressed again, right? It's just mm-hmm. how do you kind of navigate through life because life is going to always have those mm-hmm. moments of stress. And, you know, for listeners who might be facing stress or anxiety right now, what is an actionable advice that you can give them that they can start their journey towards a greater peace of mind and well-being? The thing that can be the most motivating is knowing what our purpose is. What is our why? And sometimes the way to figure out what our why is, is to um, take a look at the people in our lives, take a look at the things that we're doing in our life. Um, thinking about how we've handled situations in the past and maybe might have wanted to handle things differently, considering who do we want to be, um, really taking the time to to dig into that 
And then once we have a sense of what it is that's important to us, what our values are, then we can start moving in, in the direction of our purpose, right? And with that in mind, then we're able to start taking action. And I'm really hearing there about intention, right? Mm -hmm. Once you know your why, then it's about mm -hmm. being intentional with the actions and behaviors that you do to support the why. Um, so that is really powerful. Nisha, thank you for everything you shared today. We're going to move into our next segment, which is rapid fire. Tell me, where was your first job? Oh, first job. Um, it was in the back of a um, tax preparation service. I was, um, I was hired by my dad <laughs> to staple things together, basically. 11 years old, I think. All right, you were, the, you were the staple girl. I love it. My first real <laughs> job was, you know, doing reception in a, um, a video and audio place. Okay, what is the best book you've ever read? Oh. And I know this might be hard. Yeah. Um, well, I think there are too many books. But the one that I, one that I keep coming back to is um, the one by Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl, he was in a, a concentration camp. And it's all about how he survived the concentration camp. And it had a big impact on me because that's where he talked about having purpose. One of the reasons why he survived is because he had a purpose. He didn't give up. He didn't lose mm -hmm. hope. I think that's really powerful. Is it called A Man's Search for Meaning? That's it, yeah. What is your favorite way to fill your cup? Spending time with my kids. And final rapid fire question. In three words, what's your version of a healthy life? Having a healthy body and mind. I can't do three words. Nisha, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you for everything you've shared with the listeners. I'd love for you to share more about yourself. How can the listeners find out more about you, the work that you do, mm -hmm. and stay connected with you? I have a website that's easy to access. It's nishabcoaching.com. Anybody can send me an email at info at nishabcoaching.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn uh, as Nisha B. The current program that I'm really happy to share and work with kids on, it's Thriving Teen Girls. What I find is a really tough time for kids is going from grade seven to grade eight, going from elementary to secondary. And so I developed a program that is meant to help them be better prepared for that transition. I really like to work with teen girls because it's tough being a teen girl. And there are so many expectations. Perfection is expected from kids that we don't realize that that's what we're putting on teen girls in particular, so many expectations. And so I just like to work with them to help them deal with it. And, you know, that's my that's my passion because I have two teen girls of my own. That program sounds amazing. I was reading some of the reviews on your website about that. And it seems like you're really making an impact, not just for the girls, but even for their moms who are enrolling them in these programs yeah. too. Thank you, Nisha, for coming on today's show. To the listeners, continue to serve yourself, your loved ones, and your communities from a full cup.